You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last time, we hope. It is the first full week of preseason goosebumps, you know. I mean, you, you know, once you start watching the games, yeah, whatever. It's a bunch of backups and, and rookies. But you get to see free agents in the new uniform for the first time. You get to see those rookies for, in the pro uniform for the first time. So from that perspective, it'll be pretty cool. But otherwise, you know, typically the preseason isn't that great of a deal. But I, I, I'm amped. I'm jacked. And then after watching Hard Knocks episode one, I'm even more jacked. I just, just just inject that into my blood every day, and I think I'd have a great day every single day. So let's bring my partner Alex Kaptoff. We've got a, you know, a bunch of things we're going to hit, little little bits and pieces throughout this particular show. But, uh, Alex, what's going on, man? I'm doing well, Lou. I, I know you're a big fan of Hard Knocks, and you usually watch the show, and you've been kind of a, a diehard fan since I didn't watch episode one. Tell me about it. I mean, how are the – Detroit well, here's Lions. the thing. How, how are the, how are the Detroit Lions doing? Well, here's the thing. It just you, you kind of knew going in that Dan Campbell is just made for this kind of thing, right? And the one word that I kept coming back to after watching the first episode is just raw, raw across the board, because it you know, again you had an idea this was going to be kind of high energy, high intensity, just because of the type of guy he is. But it's pervasive throughout the entire organization. I mean, if you didn't know much about pro football and you just watched this, just the first episode, you'd think, my God, this, te- this, this team's going to kill everybody because just the enthusiasm, the, the, the work ethic. I mean, it was really, really fun to watch. I mean, from his opening speech to the team where he kind of here are the team rules. And I think there was like three or four of them. Like, don't be late. Don't be overweight. Respect your teammates. Respect your coaches. I mean, I'm I'm paraphrasing there, but it was just one of the best ones I've seen. And I I don't mean to be hyperbolic. And I know it's gone viral uh, social media wise in in NFL circles just in the last few days. Because it was, I mean, it was almost like watching a movie, right? And it was, you know, Aiden Hutchinson being called out in front of the entire group. It was probably like a night meeting and, you know, typically, you know, back in the old days, you know, because, you know, I'm kind of old. These guys would get up and they'd sing their school fight song. Well, Aiden Hutchinson gets up there and, you know, you can see he's starting to vibe a little bit. He's starting to like throw down a beat in his head and just kind of churning it out. And he does Billy Jean. He sings the song. He sings, he dances the dance. And by halfway through the entire team is standing up singing with them. And it's just, I mean, it just seems like it's right out of a freaking movie. Uh, Jamal Williams breaking the team down after a practice. Just, I, I don't know if they know the cameras are there, obviously, but just, you know, just the, one, the enthusiasm, and then just the emotion where he's just, you know, basically it's, you know, a little statement, and then on three, it's go lines or something like But he goes on for almost like a minute. He, he, he makes himself 
forces himself to tears because he's talking about last year's record and how much he cares and how much he loves his teammates. I mean, just again, if it was scripted, you say, this is so cheeseball, but you know, it's not. And then ultimately, this is my last point, And this is what I'm going to look for through this entire series is the hardcore trash talk between offensive coordinator Deuce Staley and defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. The other point is that there's so many ex-players on this staff that it's just juice. It's so high octane. And if you are, again, aren't a Lions fan coming into this, and I don't think many people are outside of Michigan, uh, you got to come away and think, oh, my God, he's now my second favorite coach. I mean, I'm not Big Red, Andy Reid, but Dan Campbell, I'm here for it. Uh, you know, by the time, you know, we air our thing here, so many people will have already spoken about it. But just coming off and watching it, it was must-see TV, like a movie. I can't wait for the rest of it. Well, you know, it's not surprising. I mean, Campbell is a man that, that's trying to change a culture for a team that has struggled to find its identity for years. Hello? I mean, you can just... Based on your speech, based on what you saw during the first episode, you can almost like feel his natural energy. You can feel his like intense passion for the game through the TV screen, and you're not even there, Lou. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, this? just, just, I, I couldn't believe, I, I couldn't imagine being one of those players sitting there listening to him. I mean, relating things to like, you know, Metallica. He's got all these you know catchphrases and so and it's and it's he's so unique and he's so comfortable in his own skin it just translates to the players and i gotta believe every single one of those guys even the guys you know 50 of them that are going to get cut would run through a wall for this guy and it's cliche and whatever but i truly believe that this guy is the perfect hire for this team this was i mean just home run and I don't know how many games they're going to win, but they're certainly going to change the culture of just kind of a bunch of guys going through the motions or maybe not just so much going through the motions, but there's no was never any cohesiveness. They, they, they haven't been a relevant team in my lifetime. I mean, even when they had Barry Sanders, you know, they, they would they would get to the playoffs. But ultimately, you know, there might be a, there was a big win, I think, against the Cowboys once, but really not a whole lot. Uh, Stafford could only do so much. And it just seemed, again, I don't know, I I can't put it into words just how excited I was sitting on my couch watching this. It it really moved me. It really did. It sounds like Dan Campbell can still play. Yeah. I mean, that's what it seems like because I heard that he's like participating with players in training camp workouts. He did 40 or 50 up downs with the team. That's what I'm saying. It's like contagious when you hire ex Who does that? <laughs> what coach? The player, even Aiden Hutchinson, was like afterwards, he's like, I didn't know we were going to do them in a row. You know? <laughs> I mean, even some of the other players, like, oh, my God. It just it, it, You got to watch it. I mean, if you can stream it, do whatever, but you, you got to watch it. What I'm saying is when you hire a coaching staff with former players, right, filled in there, I mean, it's almost contagious because – you know, players are going to gravitate, especially younger players, because, you know, this team is young for the most part. And that's what they're trying to do. I mean, they're trying to like, you know, just bring out the passion in these players. So how long 
How long for him to win a Super Bowl in Detroit? What, three, five years? I mean, they seem to have a good GM in place. I don't know. I don't know if he ever does, quite frankly, because, again, it's going to come down to, you know, one, getting that culture changed. But then, okay, and all these former players, it's great. But, okay, I guess the other side of it is in-game adjustments it comes down to. It's going to come down to decision-making, situational football, which you hope that they kind of can make the next step. Is Jared Goff the guy? Do they really have the quarterback that they want? There's so many other things that go into it. So, I mean, I, I, as hyped as I am as, as far as him just kind of rousing the, the group, again, you know, it's a highly skilled game, highly tactical game, the NFL. And they weren't a ton of close games. What does it take to win those close games? Does this staff, do they have what it takes to get the players to that level where they can win in these situational uh, uh, matchups and, and different different styles of game. You know, can they do that? That's really where it comes into play. They can certainly coach the skills and everything else. That's the next step is can they now translate this enthusiasm and just vigor into a team that's smart and can, and, and can again, play situational football and win it that way. I'm just glad that the lines are building it the right way. You know, they're doing it through the draft with Brad Holmes, with Dan Campbell. They're bringing in young players, and they're focusing on the trenches. Lou, I love that. You and I know this game is won in the trenches. It's about improving your offensive line, improving your defensive line. It's about your ability to get to the quarterback, to stop the run, to open up those running holes, to protect your quarterback. So I think, you know, give it a year or two. And this team is going to be in the playoffs. I just believe in that enthusiasm. Probably my boy Jared Goff isn't going to be there, but I'm sure they'll find a quarterback. I'm sure they'll find the right pieces around him. But you can feel it. You know, it sounds like they're on the cusp. They're close. They're realizing that they don't have, you know, the, the players that the Chiefs have or the 49ers have or the Buffalo Bills have. But they realize that, hey, they've got to bring out the passion in these young players and just continue. And it's going to gravitate. People would want to play for this guy. They want to run through walls, you know, for this head coach and for this organization. And there are not too many teams that you can say that about. I'm here for it. Uh, again, going back just to the, the production NFL Films just does such an amazing job. There's been plenty of seasons where it's it's been kind of you know ho hum, lackluster. But uh, I'm sure they had a pretty good idea that they had a cast of characters here, and it is it really delivered. At least the first episode. Let's see where it goes from here. But uh, now the let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. And you know we've talked about this a little bit, but Bill Belichick and kind of. As he moves into, uh, I guess, yet another part of his career here, post Brady, uh, post Josh McDaniels now, he we kind of give him a pass because of all the success that he's had, all the championships that he's won, whether it was with the Giants, obviously, with the, all the Super Bowls of the Patriots. I mean, the guy's got a, you know, a ton of rings. Uh, but, you know, some of these coaching moves, I mean, typically when you see a guy, a coach, move from one side of the ball to the other, I don't care how smart he is, normally they'll make him like a wide receiver coach for a season or, or a few seasons or a tight ends coach, offensive line coach, uh, you know, assistant to the, the head coach, you know, whatever it is. But to just go in from being a defensive coordinator 
head coach at Detroit to offer a year. Now all of a sudden he's going to call offensive plays for a second-year quarterback looking to make that a little bit more of a jump. Had, you know, Josh McDaniels in his ear last year, all through the, you know, the, the preseason, the, the season itself, the guy played so well. Now all of a sudden, you know, they're going to that. And it just all the reports, the local guys covering national guys that are, you know, hearing different things that it's not so pretty in, in practices. Now they play a game tonight. I don't think Mac Jones is going to play. They play against the Giants, which again, that's another one that's uh, going to be very interesting to watch. But as far as Bill Belichick goes, are we giving him too much of a pass for what he's done in the past? I mean, I'm sure the Mara family called him and he vouched for Joe Judge. I'm sure the Ford family called him and he vouched for Patricia. Not that it's on him, but that's not a really good look when both of those situations just imploded famous. I mean, it was just ugly. I mean, there was not, not there wasn't many positives that came out of either of those. Now they're back with him. Uh, it almost seems like they, they've got caught off guard and it just, I'm, I don't know. I mean, are we giving them too much of a pass? I think we are, but I guess he deserves it based on what he's done, how many championships he's won. We all know how hard it is to, to win in the NFL. And I think, you know, that he always prefers guys that he knows. Hello? I mean, he's always going to bring back those. He brought back Josh McDaniels before. He brought back now Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. He always does this. It's like the Patriot way. He knows these guys know him. And what he demands of the players and the coaches. So he knows that they fit right in. But I don't understand it. I mean, Joe Judge was a special teams coach. He never called offensive plays. Matt Patricia was a defensive coordinator. He never was an offensive coach. I don't understand that. You know Bill is going to focus on the defense, right? I mean, that's his part. He's not going to stick his nose into the offense. But the guys that he brought in don't know much about offense. Plus... The Patriots are installing a new system, okay? New terminology, new words. That's really tough for a young quarterback. Usually, you look for that continuity, right? He did well in his first year under Josh McDaniels. You know McDaniels can tutor and can school these quarterbacks in the best way possible. But now he's got a couple of guys that are just not familiar with, with offense in general. I think it's going to be tough for Mac Jones. I think it's... It's really like a 180. So a rookie quarterback does well, and then in his second year, you change the system. The more offensive coaches you change, the more players you change, you change the the whole scheme, you make it tough on a young player. And it sounds like, from what I've been reading from reporters out there, that they're saying that Mac is struggling. He doesn't look the same, and that's really unusual. So I guess the pep talk... From a week ago when you said Bill Belichick is pumping up Mac Jones. I guess it's more of like a psychological game. That's what it seems to be. He's trying to like, you know, raise his profile a little bit and just get in his head and say, hey, Mac, you can do this. You've been struggling, but it's okay. We're going to get this. So I think Bill Belichick is playing that, you know, rah-rah type of guy, trying to be the the motivator for his for his young quarterback. 
Yeah, I just feel bad for Mac because he came, you know, he came in, kind of reshaped his body. You know, it was one of those they always they put the pictures side by side, Brady at the combine and Mac at the combine. It was fairly similar, but he, you know, put on a little weight, little muscle, trimmed trimmed a little bit as well. I mean, he looks physically like a different dude, and that's why I feel bad for him. He's put like all this work into it. And I don't know that this is going to be a lost season, and they are famously not necessarily a system team. It's more of a, you know, game plan team from week to week. So from that perspective, again, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you go from McDaniels who had been doing this for so many years, even though he left and, and was a, a head coach. And I think that's the one thing that follows here is these guys all got opportunities fairly young into their coaching careers, and maybe they weren't really ready for it. You can't just recreate what you did under Belichick somewhere else and expect, you know, things to work immediately or even within a few years. So, again, I'm not ready to to say that Joe Judge and Matt Patricia can't coach football, but to expect them to change sides of the ball or Joe in Joe Judge's case. I mean, obviously, he didn't do real well with his offensive coordinators. And just then then when he fires his offensive coordinator, calling the plays that the quarterback sneaks way back in his own, you know, you can go through the the, the plays and so forth. But I, you know, I just feel bad. I mean, we're going to talk about second year quarterbacks. And, you know, I don't Mac Jones is is going to be behind the eight ball this year for sure. Uh, and it just seems like as an organization, you know, for years it was next man up and they were typically had guys ready to rock and roll where it just doesn't seem like it's that way anymore. Uh, the drafts have been crappy uh, free agency. They, they spent a ton of money last year and they really didn't get much out of it. Um, so I. I don't know. I mean, you never are going to write that obituary on the Patriots, but I think it's certainly on the downslope from here. Belichick's obviously going to go down in history as the greatest head football coach in the NFL, more than likely. You know, at this point, you'd have to say he's there. So however this ends up, it's not going to change that. But it really, for New England fans, I... This I don't know that this season is going to go the way they, they believe it is. If they win seven or eight games this year, it may be a stretch. So, all right. So, second-year quarterbacks, obviously, Mac Jones. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on from there. Which one's going to take the biggest step, right? You got uh, Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville. Uh, Doug Peterson comes in. I mean, it, it can't go anywhere but up from where he was last year. Trey Lance, now it's his team. What's he going to do with that? Justin Fields, new staff, although it's a defensive uh, head coach and, you know, a bunch of uh, you know, front office, I guess, anxiety, if you would, with a, a bunch of players looking for new deals but not able to get them and so there's a little bit of a mess going on there. And then the one that we really don't talk about much is Davis Mills. Pep Hamilton there for him. Uh, Houston's not a great team, but, you know, he looked pretty decent at the end of last year. So uh, th that's kind of the roster. Wh who do you think has is, is really got the best chance to, to show out this year? I just think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. I uh, I think that the Jaguars are still a long way from being a playoff team, and they're not going to get into the playoffs this year. But it's certainly an easier division with all the teams that are here. 
you know, you still have the Houston Texans, who are probably one of the worst teams in the NFL. And then you've got, you know, uh, like the Titans, who I think are going to take a step back. You have the Colts, and I think they're going to do well. But I just think that within your division, the Jaguars are going to win a few more games than they did last year. I think this offensive system is going to be more QB friendly. It's going to work into Trevor Lawrence's um, strengths. It's going to get him out on the move. I think he's going to throw a lot more on the run. He's going to be running all together just in general and showing off his athleticism and not only his arm. So he's not going to be as static as he was last year in Urban Meyer's offense. I think last year if he completed, what, less than 60%, 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. I compare it to the year that Peyton Manning had as a rookie. I think he's going to bounce back. He has more weapons there. He has his former teammate from Clemson, Travis Etienne, coming back from an injury. I think in general, you know, you're going to expect a lot more, and I think he's just he's going to improve his weaknesses, and I think the, the offensive staff and Peterson are going to work to his strengths. So to me, that's an obvious answer, uh, but I'm sure you're going some, with someone else. Uh, yeah, just to be different, and again, I, I will continually and I will shamelessly push my own my own uh, fantasy uh, exploits for the year, and I'm going to go with Trey Lance just because of the fact that he only got a chance to play in like two and a half games last year. Uh, it is his team. Uh, Jimmy G definitely is is not going to be there one way or the other. Uh, from what we're hearing, it may be Cleveland, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I'm going to go with Trey just because, you know, so much has come out about, well, he, he, we don't know that he's the guy. But they finally made the 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 statement and declaration that he is the guy and they're pushing Jimmy G out of the building just to, I guess, reiterate that and leave no doubt this is his team. OK, so now you take uh, Kyle Shanahan. Now, the, the one thing that kind of maybe gives me pause is the fact that a good portion of his offensive staff is gone to Miami. Um, but Kyle's still there. The rest of the coaching staff, these guys seem to, whether it be, you know, Sean McVay's staff, Kyle's staff, they train these coaches, they bring them up in that system. And, you know, so far so good. These guys have gone on and, and done pretty decent. Let's see what McDaniel does. Let's, let's see what, uh, what, what our guy in Minnesota does, Kevin O'Connell. So anyway, I'm going to go with Trey just because of the offense that he that he's going to be in. I don't think they're going to ask him to make, you know, crazy reads in terms of the passing game. He's going to do a lot with his legs. Maybe the, the statistics aren't going to be what perhaps Trevor Lawrence puts up, but I just think better team, better opportunity in that division uh, where there are some there are some question marks. Yeah, we love the Rams, but again, you know, again, you got a bunch of new coaches, you got a, a bunch of free agents to indoctrinate. Again, uh, Stafford and the elbow. Who knows if that's just over overdone? But you know that division. I think they have a chance. I liked them last year. I like them again this year, and I'm going with Trey. You know, I love that answer, right? I mean, Debo is back. George Kittle is ready to dominate. Trent Williams is the left tackle protecting Lance's left side. Kyle Shanahan is probably the game's most creative, efficient play caller, as far as I'm concerned. So the supporting cast is there. The defense is there. 
they're gonna win games. Just the one thing that I I realize that they're gonna use Trey Lance's dual threat ability. They're gonna you know get him out on the move. He's gonna run a lot more. I get that, but he needs to process coverages a lot quicker. He needs to recognize them, you know, where to go with the ball, those route concepts. I mean, I think those are the things that they gave me pause last year when we saw him in, in the little film that we have of him. He only had like 71 passing attempts in, as a rookie, so that's not a lot. But it's going to take time for him to grow. And you've mentioned it before, Lou. He sat out the year, you know, at North Dakota State. He didn't play, basically. And then he sat out this year. So basically he's been he's been sitting more than he's been playing. So it's going to take him time to, to get his legs under him, to feel more comfortable. And this is the NFL. It's a faster game. And they're expecting you to win in San Francisco just because of what I mentioned. You have a good team, and you're always going to hear whispers that, hey, Jimmy G would have gotten this team into the playoffs. Why not Trey Lance? So I think it's there's a lot of pressure on this kid. I hope I hope he succeeds. I hope he he conquers the the pressure that is surrounding him. Well, I think he's going to he's going to see a lot of action in the preseason just for what because of what you said is that he just hasn't played in a few years and even at North Dakota State they weren't really you know a passing team. So he didn't get a chance to really throw a lot in college either and there was a limited uh, sample size of games. So, yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of action. Now, again, I mean, by a lot, maybe he gets two quarters per per uh, preseason game, at least games one and two, maybe the third one he only plays a couple series just, to, you know, as a warm-up leading into the season. But I think that's one starter that you're going to see getting a lot of action uh, just because of the fact that he hasn't played and just needs the reps. Uh so, in, again, this Deshaun Watson story keeps uh, is still in the news because of the the, uh, the appeal of the NFL didn't like, you know, not some not the decision, but the punishment. And I don't again, I'll, I'll stand on this, that the judge did not have a lot of leeway or uh, a lot of precedent to go by in terms of the number of games. But with her wording kind of laying it out for the league saying, okay, if you want to give him more games, you have plenty of runway here to do so. And for the first time, the commissioner, after the uh, special league meeting to uh, to basically confirm uh, the Waltons as ownership group of Denver, reiterated what the judge said, egregious, predatory. I mean, these are things, and he said them out loud. Usually he tries to, you know, kind of dummy things down, but I don't think there's any chance they ask for anything less than the entire year. I think that uh, the guy hearing it, the former attorney general of the state of New Jersey, he is going to pretty much be in lockstep with the commissioner and what the league wants. And I still, the, these owners are still probably pissed off at Jimmy Haslam about this whole fully guaranteed contract that he gave this guy. And they're pushing for this whole year. And I'm sure it's it's probably going to be the full year or pretty close to the whole thing. There's going to be money involved and there's also going to be uh, treatment. Now, because of just kind of the way that reading the room, the Browns aren't reading the room and they're going to start Deshaun in the first preseason game. I mean, if there's no decision that comes down before that game, he's going to start. And I get it. 
football reasons. He's your new quarterback. He even he's going to play at some point. Allegedly, we don't know. Uh, they're thinking maybe if it's say six or eight games, he's going to stay. He's going to play at some point. He needs reps. But from an optics perspective, you've taken such a beating, uh, you know, in public relations, in ticket sales, you know, your your fan base, you know, just looking at this guy. Is it really a good idea to trot him out on the field before this? This sentence, if you would, gets handed down. I, I don't know. This is this is a tough one. Again, football wise, he needs to be on the field. But in terms of everything else, bigger than the sport, bigger than the than the team and everything else. I don't know that I start him. I guess you want the situation to die down a little bit. But once he comes back low from the suspension, whatever it's going to be, you're going to hear a lot of booze. You're going to hear a lot of disapproval from different shows, the NFL Network, ESPN. People are going to be really harsh about it. So he's going to have to answer those questions in press conferences, especially in the away games. People are going to needle him about it. People are going to joke about him. So I think, you know, you need to get used to it. Deshaun understands this, all right, the, the whole magnitude of this. Uh, pressure that he's going to feel off the field, not just the way he performs on the field. So I don't know. I guess the Browns are just, you know, like you say, the Browns sometimes don't know what they're doing. So they're just like, hey, we're going to continue and, and go on, on on our merry way. Like we'll just, you know, like nothing has happened. You know, he's going to get suspended the first six games of the season. We got to get him out there on pre in preseason. So you know he is uh, he's in you know in good form and good conditioning come once his suspension you know is is lifted and i don't know maybe this isn't news to anyone or maybe it's like the most obvious thing but mary Kay cabot who's uh covered the browns for 20 plus years is reporting that now the Browns will consider trading for Jimmy G if the suspension is longer than six games, which ultimately it's certainly going to be longer than six games. Good move. I guess, I mean, you've kind of lobbied for this. I mean, you've said that you don't trust Jacoby Brissett. You know, they got rid of Baker. Obviously they had to do that. Now they got to bring in a guy, I guess, who has started more games than Jacoby Brissett. So I'm sure you're, you know, for it. But I'm not sure, like, how healthy Jimmy G is going to be. Like, he's going to be in a new system. Yeah. No limitations, they're saying, you know. I guess the thing is, it, it. I'm sure the language is different, but, you know, Stefanski, Kyle, I mean, it's it's all kind of the same. I mean, isn't it? I mean, he that's kind of the, the whole deal. Kubi, you know, he, was like, learned under Kubiak. Kubiak learned under Shanahan. I mean, it's all kind of the... A similar system. Let's not say the same because everybody puts their own twist on it. But I think from that perspective, Jimmy would fit in better and for a full year. Maybe he doesn't play the first couple of games because he's just not quite there. But I think he's been given the green light to, you know, no limitations. He's throwing. So, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm all for that. Well, I guess we'll see. I guess they, they need – I mean, considering the, the situation that they're in, they need to bring in a more seasoned player. And so Jacoby Brissett can be the backup. And Jimmy G is certainly seasoned. He's been the starter forever with the 49ers. So he's got a lot of starts under his belt in the regular season and the playoffs. And, you know, 
By the way, injuries are happening, Lou. And Mikai Becton, the offensive tackle of the New York Jets, went down. And it seems like he's going to be sidelined with a knee injury for the entire season. And the Jets, they signed your favorite boy, Dwayne Brown from the Seahawks. I mean, the 37-year-old left tackle who started, he started 203, he's had 203 career starts during his game. All at left tackle, by the way, during his NFL career. And last year he was a Pro Bowl player, so he signed a two-year deal. It looks like Dwayne Brown is going to be the left tackle. George Fant is going to go back to, to being the right tackle with Mikai Becton being sidelined. Yeah, not really sure how to take this whole Mackay Becton thing. I don't, is he just too big to be at at that position because he just seems massive and he looked, you know, this was going to be a home run out of Louisville, but is he just does he need to kind of take it down, maybe take some weight off because he can't stay on the field. They've been, had concerns about him ever since they drafted him and you just feel bad for the kid because, you know, I mean, he didn't ask to be in this position, but he is a professional now and needs to know what it takes to get on the field, stay on the field. So, again, hopefully this is a wake-up call and he can kind of trans, maybe transform his body over the next year while he's rehabbing. Now, obviously, it's going to be difficult. You know, after surgery, he's going to have to sit around. So hopefully he doesn't balloon another 40 or 50 pounds and make it that much diff more difficult. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, another one of these sneaky uh, training camp free agent moves. Uh, you saw Carlos Dunlop sign, sign with the Chiefs where, you know, hey, you know, that could turn out to be huge for them. Whereas for other teams, you know, they were shying away because of age. So Dwayne Brown, you mentioned it, Iron Man. You can depend on him. Put him out there. You know, we didn't talk. I, I think I missed Zach Wilson in that whole second year quarterback thing, which uh, now I feel pretty silly about. But uh, I still wouldn't have chosen him over Trey. But, uh, yeah, Dwayne Brown, I think this is going to be sneaky good for the Jets. You know, veteran guy. They can depend on him. He's going to learn. He's going to be ready to rock and roll. He'll be there game one. So th this is good, I think, if you're a Jets fan. Well, at least, you know, Zach Wilson is going to stay upright a little bit more having those two guys as bookends because those guys have, have played a lot of games throughout their career. By the way, another week, another player asking for a trade, Lou. What do you think about this? Roquan Smith, the linebacker of the Chicago Bears, not getting the deal. Bears are playing hardball with their former top 10 pick. He's not getting the extension at this point. Once again, a player goes to the media and says, I want to be traded. Another ploy. I'm sure you love this. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's the it's the only I guess leverage I guess that that a player has, but it's not really true leverage here because they can they just moved him off the PUP list, and uh, he didn't show up in in team parts of the practice. Supposedly he's just like on the sideline doing individual things, but they're well within uh, their uh, their means, their ability, whatever you want to call it, their right to fine him, whether, you know, contractual stuff. So this could could get pretty ugly. Now, they, they traded away Khalil Mack. You know, even in the offseason, there were whispers about Robert Quinn wanting out because they're not going to pay him. You know, Ryan Poles, new GM, uh, coming from, I guess, the, the first one of the Brett Veach tree or – I guess, uh, late of the uh, John Dorsey, true, whatever you want to call it. But he is kind of 
kind of molding things in his own way here. So it's going to be interesting to see how much they push here. Do they, if Roquan is, uh, I guess, steadfast in his demand and doesn't isn't going to practice with the team, I think they're probably going to start finding him at a certain point, and then it gets really ugly. Then maybe the NFLPA has to step in or just, you know, Roquan says, you know, whatever, find me whatever, and I just want out of here. But it, but again, at this time of year, it's so difficult because he wants a new deal. How many teams have salary cap room? How many are willing to you know devote the assets at this point to to trade for the guy? It, it's I don't know for a new GM. There's a, there's a lot going on here, and um, yeah, I mean that's that's really the only thing he withholding services is the only ploy that the player has. But you also got to be smart business-wise because you are under contract. And no matter what you think you deserve, you still have that contract that you signed that kind of you have to abide by. So, you know, stay tuned. I mean, this this could be an ugly situation, especially for a team that's in such a state of flux. Yeah, the Bears aren't going to win a lot of games this season. So I think Roquan Smith is going to be one of their trading chips around the, the deadline, the trading deadline. I just there are going to be plenty of teams lining up there. You know he's unhappy. You know he's a former first round pick. If they can get a second round pick for him, I think they'll unload him. I don't think they will wait for you know for a first rounder. They realize he's a great player. They realize the stats that he's put up, and there are plenty of teams that are going to be lining up for his services. I mean the Ravens, maybe the Broncos, the Seahawks. Kind of an interesting team. They unloaded linebackers. They have like multiple first and second round picks. They could offer that. The Bears are rebuilding, okay? So if there's a player who is unhappy about his contract, and I'm sure the Bears are like, why are we going to pay this guy? You know, is he one of our leaders? Is he a franchise guy for our defense? I don't think they feel that way. I think right now they just want to blow it up. They want to see that... Justin Fields is their quarterback of the future, and they can build around him. So the Bears are so far away. I think the the Smith situation is going to get ugly. I think he gets traded somewhere around the trading deadline. It's just a hard spot to be in, especially when the guy demands the trade, because now, I mean, as a team, you lose a little bit of leverage with the other teams because maybe they don't offer as much. But again, it, the bottom line is he's looking for more money. Somebody's going to want to have, you know, give him that deal. But he's a great young player. So you would think somebody is going to stand up and, and be out there and, and make him a decent offer. Maybe Quinn moves along, too. I, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, the tear down of, of the Bears. But like you said it, it's much needed. They weren't winning with these guys. Again, if you trade away, you know, your number one, he's probably number one out of 53 what are those other players going to take from this? Hey, you know, I, I get drafted, I, I, I play well, I'll, I'll play my rookie contract, and then they're going to say, well, okay, thanks, see you later. Tough deal. Yeah, not not as easy as everybody thinks being a GM in the NFL. So, so Brady's going to be out for a while, 10 days, I think, minimum. And it, they're saying personal reasons. It was discussed before the uh, – Training camp opened, I guess. Now, I know his his mother has been ill. They're not saying a whole lot, and, you know, out of respect to him. And it, he wasn't hurt, nothing like that. But he's going to be gone for a while. So, you know, Blaine Gabbert's going to be getting a hell of a lot more snaps. Uh, Kyle Trask. So 
let's see how that impacts Tampa moving forward. Probably won't. I'm sure he'll be around for the first game. And, you know, Brady's forgot more than any of these guys will ever know. So uh, no big deal there, I don't think. James White, the running back for the New England Patriots, announced his retirement today. He'd been battling some injuries. And just on, on a personal note, just because, and again, I, I hate to sound self-serving, but uh, James, I think, was one of my first solo interviews when he was coming out of Wisconsin before the draft. Obviously, he's had you know, a great career, was never the lead back, never featured. But he was always in that committee with the Patriots. But I don't know that you can say that any player while he was playing on offense was much more important. I mean, you had Gronkowski and guys like that. But I think James White, who could very well have been the uh, MVP of the Super Bowl when they beat the uh, they beat Atlanta. He has the record in Super Bowl for scoring, I believe, 20 points. He had three touchdowns and a two-point conversion, ultimately won the game. So, uh, yeah, James White, happy trails, great career, and I wish I could have talked to you once you were in the league, but it never got to that. For this week, that's going to do it uh, for my partner, Alex. I am Lou. Please subscribe. Hit subscribe. We want more subscribers. Let's do it, gang. Let's feel you. So until next week or next time, Peace.